Thanks for checking out another edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle, but you're listening, so you probably know that by now. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can find this podcast just about anywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Overcast FM, Google Play, and YouTube. You can check out my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash, spell it out, T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E. And of course, you can catch me on Twitter at 12Kyle, the number 12-K-Y-L-E. Or you can follow the podcast at 12Kyle Podcast. And of course, you can catch me on Instagram at 12Kyle Podcast. So there's no reason not to subscribe to this podcast. All right. On this particular podcast, we're going to talk about Life After Death, the double CD from Biggie Smalls, the Notorious B.I.G. So buckle up, get your popcorn ready, pass the word, tell a friend, tell a friend. We're going to drop the theme music and we're going to get this podcast cracking. Let's get it. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, As I mentioned at the top, man, we're talking about Life After Death, the double CD from the Notorious B.I.G. This album was released March 25th, 1997. It is hard to believe it's been 20 years since this album came out. I mean, like, it just really means that all of you listening right now are old. (laughs) And it means I'm old, too, because I remember when I actually... It. Um, I remember going to the record store and, you know, novel concept record store. There was no Internet, so you couldn't download it. You couldn't stream it or anything like that. Um, but I remember going to the record store and this was because the album was so highly anticipated. Um, record stores opened at midnight. I think the album came out like on a Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. And um so it opened up at the record stores opened up at midnight so that you could be the first to buy it. And here's the thing. You did not want to be one of the people who did not have this album and then record stores ran out of it. I mean, like, and it's funny when you think about it, because we live in an era now where you can almost almost guarantee that you're going to get your hands on whatever music that you're looking to purchase because it's in full supply. You you won't ever run out of ways or, me, or means to get the music. But in 1997, yeah, you could go to a record store. And if you didn't get it the first day or the first couple of days that the album dropped, you could run the risk of not getting that album or at least having to wait. Um, so for me, it was important for me to be at the record store at midnight as soon as it dropped. Um I, I, at the time, I was a huge, and still am, huge Biggie Smalls fan. I mean, like, Biggie was my dude. It, it, and it's, it, it's funny when I think about it because I think most hip-hop fans 
if if you're a fan of the genre and you're a fan of MCs and rappers or whatever you want to call it, like there's always a few rappers or MCs that you really, really identify with and you're like, yo, that's my guy, you know, or that's my girl. Like that. And and it's like, you know, I don't want to say they can do no wrong, but I mean like you really, really identify with them. Um for me, Biggie was one of those guys. I mean, like I became such a huge fan in a very short span of time um, with Biggie. I remember the first time I heard Biggie. I ne- didn't know who he was, what he looked like, or anything like that. I remember there was a song um, by my man Supercat called Dolly My Baby. And Biggie had the last verse on the song. And I remember, shout out to my boy Bruce, my teammate at South Carolina State University. Bruce had he had the the maxi single Dolly My Baby on maxi single, and um, he was like, "Yo, man, you need to check this out." And I remember hearing and listening to it, and this was what '94, um, and uh, I remember listening to it. And I was like, "Okay, who is this dude going on last?" Because he was just. And he started off, "I love it when you call me Big Papa," and I mean, like, I was like, "Okay, who is this dude? This dude is nice." And it was like, yo, that's Biggie Smalls. And I remember I kept the tape because like my boy Bruce let me hold the tape. And I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to it. And so I listened to this. And, and again, it's, it's a maxi single. So it's not like it's. So I, and I just kept playing it and playing it and playing it. And then I remember my man Bruce came back to me. And he was like, yo, he was like, let me get my tape. I was like, I don't have it. And then like he was like, all right, I'll, I'll come by your dorm room tomorrow and get it. And he came by the next day and I was like, I don't have it. <laughs> and so like I kept telling him I didn't have it and I, I literally played that tape until it popped uh, that was my first introduction to Biggie and obviously I bought Ready to Die and I was just a huge fan huge fan of everything he had been doing um, but again Big was my he was my dude so from the time that I was introduced to Biggie to the time that this album came out I was just a huge 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 fan um so the anticipation of this album was crazy. And again, I, I remember going to the record store, buying it at midnight. And, and and trust me when I tell you, I got to the record store maybe about 10 to maybe about like, like 11.50 maybe. And there was a line out the door around the corner to buy this album. I mean, people were waiting. And I mean, just imagine you're at a mall. The mall is closed. But there's a line of people waiting to buy this album. That's how crazy the buzz was. Um, The unfortunate thing is, is that many of you know, maybe some of you don't know, but this album was released posthumously. Biggie Got Killed was murdered uh, two weeks prior to this album dropping. He was, you know, tragically murdered in um, Los Angeles on March 9th, 1997. Um... And I'm going to be honest, it was a really, really sad and dark time because we didn't know. I mean, because Tupac had died the previous September and that blew us away. And as hip hop fans, we were kind of reeling because, you know, you didn't. And I remember somebody asked me, like, you know, which one bothered me more? Biggie's dead. And I was a huge Tupac fan and a huge Biggie fan. But Tupac, I mean, Biggie's death bothered me more because like you almost because you didn't see it coming like you. And I'm not saying that we saw Tupac dying, but I mean, like, Tupac was always getting into trouble. He was always getting shot and, you know, something was always happening. But 
even when we found out Tupac had gotten shot, we didn't think he was going to die. We just, you know, I mean, and again, we didn't have, there was no internet. So it was just like, hey, Pac got shot. He's in the hospital. He's doing okay. He's going to pull through. And, you know, like a couple of days later, it was like, yo, he's dead. We were just like, whoa. And then I remember getting a phone call, you know, on March 9th from one of my homeboys, my boy Zell. Shout out to my boy Zell called me and woke me up. He was like, yo, they killed Biggie last night. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yo, turn on MTV. And I turned on MTV and the, and the news was on. And I, and, like it's, and I really, really felt like I lost somebody because like I really, really love Biggie. Um, so the hip hop community, we were it was really reeling because artists were, you know, they weren't sure. West Coast cats wasn't sure if they could come to the east. East Coast cats couldn't show if they would come to the west. It was just it, it was just really, really a dark time. And I mean, there was a lot of finger pointing and, and, and innuendo as to what who was behind Biggie's death and nobody knew anything. And it was just like it was a whole bunch of threats going back and forth. Um, and all of this stuff is playing out over the radio and, and TV and things of that nature. And then we we knew that this album was coming out and then it finally dropped on March 25th. 1997 on bad boy and it couldn't come at a better time um we weren't sure as to what we were going to hear at the time that the album came out hypnotized which was the lead single was the only thing that was out the video was out and the video was dope and so you know we were eagerly anticipating it um this album as i mentioned dropped on march 25th 1997 20 years it's hard to believe it's been 20 years but when the album came out man it was it, it was a smash. I mentioned that, you know, I waited in line to get it. It was a whole bunch of other people all across the country waiting in line. This album sold six hundred and ninety thousand copies on its first week. That's unheard of. It was a double CD and not many artists, not many hip hop artists had done double CDs to that point. And so we just knew that this was going to be something special. I mean, like you just had the feeling like, yo, this is I mean, and, and you know, we didn't know what it was going to be, but we knew because it was coming from Biggie that it had to be dope. I mean, because he didn't disappoint or ready to die. So we just knew that this was going to be it. Um, but again, six hundred ninety thousand first week sales was unheard of. Uh, this album, the critics loved it. It was critically acclaimed. Um, every every major magazine uh, uh, or into public entity that you know reviewed music loved it the source gave it five mics the coveted five mics um rolling stone loved it i mean every there was you would be hard pressed to find anybody that would say something bad about this album now you know there was there, there were some detractors but even in some of the things that people said that they didn't like about the album the album was still lauded as a classic and that's undeniable and it's it's rare that you have a situation where particularly back in 1997 where an album would be deemed great by critics and by the fans and the fans love this album this album was sick <laughs> i mean it was so sick and you know the the let me just break down the the production right the production was on this album was i mean Big, biggie really had a who's who as far as 
you know, who produced on this album, which we knew going into it. We, we'd, we'd heard some rumblings. And again, this is the beauty of not of not having it, the Internet, because we knew that, you know, Puffy and the Hitman, that's his production team. were going to have most of the bulk of the production on the album. But, you know, we were going to be introduced to some people that we had never some some we had heard some we hadn't heard. Um, as I mentioned, it was Puffy, the Hitman, um, Nasheen Myrick, uh, Carlos Brody produced on the album, Derek D. Angeletti, uh, Ron Lawrence, um, DJ Premier. Primo was back uh, to do two tracks. Um, Havoc from Mob Deep. Uh, he produced the track Easy Mo B. Um, who else was on that? Buck Wild, Chucky Thompson, um, Stevie J, <laughs> uh, KG from Naughty by Nature did a track. Um, the, the 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 world famous DJ Clark Kent did a track. Uh, RZA did a track. Um, so it was really a who's who as to you know what was you know who was going to produce on the album. Uh, the guest features were crazy as well. Of course, Puffy was on the album, Lil' Kim, Jay-Z, Too Short, Mace, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Jadakiss, Styles, P, Sheik Looch from the Locks, um, 112, uh, R. Kelly, DMC, Angela Winbush, um, man, just to name a few. I mean, like that, that it was it was so crazy. I mean, like the guest features were crazy on this album. And, you know, for the most part, they seemed to fit, especially with Biggie. So, you know, I'm not sure how much of this album I'm, I'm under the assumption that most of this album was completed by the time that he had uh, been murdered. But nonetheless, this album, we were just blown away because we knew that we we heard rumblings about some people who may or may not be on the album, um, but once we got a chance to actually listen to it, I mean, it was just crazy. The production was unreal. Um, yeah, man. It. Re- uh, I was gonna say ready to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> Life after death. It, it it took on a whole new meaning. Just the meaning of the album, and you know where it stood as far as us for fans. Um, it, it, it blew me away the first time I heard it. Um, so what we're going to do is, you know what, man, Let, let's take a quick commercial. Uh, we'll hear from Big and, and Big will tell you about uh, how he came about the the album title. And uh, on the other side, man, we'll break down the track listening and talk about some of these tracks on the album. Uh, once again, Life After Death, 20 years later. Uh, let's hear from Big and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Sit tight. Now with this album, you have you have hooked up with uh, a lot of people, and and I wanted and I bring that point up because of all of the territorial stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. You done hooked up with with Forty, you hooked up with the Bong, Short, mm-hmm. hooked up with everybody. Mm-hmm. Are you making a statement? I just wanted this. Actually, before you get started, the Forty thing didn't come out. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. he had a lot of pride. You know, his hands are filled with his water. You know, so he had to do his thing, but. I just wanted to just show the versatility, you know what I'm saying? Show that me and Bone could do a joint together. Me and Short could do a joint together, you know. R. Kelly, whoever, whoever, whatever. Okay. You know? Now, the joint is called Life After Death. Yeah. Um, what is, what's the meaning? we supposed to catch that. Because the first joint was ready to die. He was ready to die. No he doubt. He was going out all guns. He was coming out. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? Now it's Life After Death. What's the, what's the, the whole 
feel with this? The way I was feeling when I did Ready to Die was, I felt like I was already dead, you know what I'm saying? Right. Just being in a situation where my mom's working, going to school, just leaving me open to dip and dab into different things, you know what I'm saying? It just left me kind of stuck. My mentality was more on some getting paper, not caring about nothing else, not caring about nothing, just wanting to get mines, you know? I got the record deal, and when I started doing Ready to Die, it was a lot of anger, you know what I'm saying? I was just a lot of hatred coming out, you know? It was real, though, right? you know what I'm saying? But it was just real angry. Life after death is the flip side of things, you know what I'm saying? I can't rhyme about being broke no more. I ain't broke. You know, I can't rhyme about hustling in the streets no more because I don't hustle no more, you know? So it's the life after. It's all that's over with now, you know what I'm saying? I ain't hungry no more, you know? Now it's a new beginning, you know what I'm saying? It's the life after the death. And just like that, we are back. Thanks again for listening, downloading, streaming the 12 Kyle podcast. It's your boy 12 Kyle back in the building. Uh, we're talking about Life After Death, the double CD from the Notorious B.I.G. 20 years later. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, man, we're going to break down some of these tracks. Let's break down the track listing, man. This again, I, I think one of the things I want to impress upon those of you listening, like the first time that you hear this album, it it really, really grasps you because Biggie is coming on so many different levels. Um he starts off with the life after death intro. Um, uh, and then it starts off with somebody got to die. Now, somebody got to die, man. Biggie, I, it, one of the things that is very, very impressive to me on this album is um, his ability to tell a story. Uh, somebody got to die is about a drug deal gone bad. Um, and I mean, he, he makes it sound so compelling. Uh, and, and it, it, it really, really, if you sit and listen to him, it really, he really has the ability to pull you in. And I think that's one of the things that I've always loved about big. Um, then you go to track three, which is hypnotized the lead sing off the album. Um, biggie, biggie, biggie. Can't you see sometimes your words just hypnotize me? I mean, the hook right there. I mean, come on, man, let's keep it real. Everybody was saying. Everybody was saying that hook. Even my mom was saying that hook back in the day. Um, so then you go to track four, Kick in the Door. Kick in the Door was very, very interesting. Uh, Primo on the beat. Crazy beat, by the way, by the great DJ Premier. Um, and I'll come back to that in just a second about some of the subjects, some of the things he talks about in Kick in the Door. Um, then the next track, he kind of smooths it out on track five. Uh Fucking you tonight with R. Kelly. Um, I mean, the title alone <laughs> tells you what time it is. But Big kind of breaks it down, man. He he's kind of letting you know, like, look, I'm off that player t- tip. I'm just really, really trying to get at you. Um, and so it, it, it's it's a dope song. I mean, that song got major radio play. They changed it to "Loving You Tonight," uh, obviously for radio. Um, track six. Uh, on the first, and all of this is on the first disc, track six, uh, last day featuring the locks. It's produced by Havoc. Um, first of all, the, the the beat is so sinister. Havoc comes in with these keys, and it's just it has this real cryptic type sound. And um, the locks, man, what, what can I say? They, they were Biggie's label mates on Bad Boy. They come through and do their thing. Um, shout out to the locks. Uh, 
Then on the next track, track seven, uh, I love the dough uh, with Angela Winbush uh, featuring Jay Z. Um, love that joint, man. I I really love hearing Biggie and Jay together. Um, we heard them on Jay Z's album. Um, you know when when Jay Z dropped on Reasonable Doubt, and I think you know that was that was a a a small a, that that song and this song I think were. A small scale of what we could have expected had Big lived. Uh, as many of you know, Biggie and Jay Z were looking to form um, a group called the Commission, and Sky was going to be the limit for what they could do together. Um, that's why I don't necessarily buy the notion when people say, "Oh, well, if Big had if Big hadn't died, Jay Z wouldn't be as big." And no, I think Jay Z would have been. Now, if Big hadn't died, I don't think Puff would have been as big as, as he was. But you know, it's another story for another day. <laughs> Nonetheless, I uh, love the dough. I love the dough. is a, a dope, dope joint. Um, and then the next track, track eight. What's beef? Beef is when you need two gats to go to sleep. Beef is when your moms ain't safe up in the streets. Beef is when I see you guaranteed to be an ICU. <laughs> I mean, it was. And, and what was funny about that song was like, we had heard rumblings that, and of course, you know, by this time, Pac, Pac was already dead. So nobody anticipated that, you know, he would actually be dissing or addressing Tupac on this album. And so we heard that there was a song called West Beef. I do remember hearing that prior to the album coming out, but nobody knew what it was about. Um, and um, he, he, he. He was so, 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 so dope on that one. <laughs> I mean, he was so dope on that one. Uh, then he had the interlude um, using the uh, Schoolie D uh, joint. Um, then he comes back with more money, more problems with uh, Puff and Mace. This was the commercial joint. This is the joint that ended up on MTV. And I mean, B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A. No, no info for the D-E-A. Um, I mean... What can I say about Mo Money? Now, I will say this: some people, Mo Money, Mo Problems, kind of wore on some people. I wasn't one of them. Um, I love the song; still love the song to this day, man. Um, the video was dope. Uh, you know, shiny suits were in full effect, <laughs> um, and that video obviously came after Biggie had passed. Um, the next track, track eleven, "Niggas Bleed." This is one, in my opinion, one of the best tracks on the, you can make a case for this being one of the best tracks, if not the best track on the album, lyrically. Um, another description of a drug deal going bad. I mean, and then I think the thing that really stands out to me about this song is that when you listen to the song, keep in mind that Biggie did not write any of his lyrics down. So as, so the next time that you hear niggas bleed, I want you to just kind of sit and think and, and listen to the story that he's telling and then imagining somebody writing this story without putting pen to pad. I mean, they say he literally sits in a room and just, you know, listens to the beat over and over and then he writes it in his head like he never used a pen in the pad, which is mind boggling because I don't know how you could tell this story so well and then have it come out the way that it did and not write it down like the writer in me is just like <laughs> like really really blown like how could you even possibly even do that but um 
Niggas Bleed, man. Incredible, incredible song. Uh, followed up with track 12, I Got a Story to Tell. Um, another great storytelling with a funny ending. Um, now, I will say this song to me is one of my favorite songs on the album, but I will admit this song has lost a little luster over the past year. Uh, reason being is that, as many of you know, in this song, Biggie talks about uh, robbing a famous basketball player that played for the Knicks. And for years and years and years, we always speculated, yo, who was it? Who was it? You know, and comes out a couple months ago, maybe about, I don't know, five, six months ago, um, Fat Joe admitted that it was the late Anthony Mason from the New York Knicks. Now, what was problematic for me is the fact that Fat Joe said it was Anthony Mason. A- Anthony Mason is no longer with us. He passed away uh, in 2016. So, I, you know, now I don't think Fat Joe has any reason to lie, but I think I would have been cool had I not known who it was because that was just that that's what made the story so dope was that the intrigue as to did Biggie really pull this off and did it really really happen with a New York Knicks uh, basketball player um so Fat Joe kind of took away some shine on that um but you know nonetheless still dope joint um then you go to disc two uh disc two starts off with uh Notorious Thugs with Biggie and Bone Thugs and Harmony and Big switches up his flow. He goes to the rapidy, rapidy, <laughs> rapid fast like Bone. And, um, you know, a lot of people love this. And and I think it was it, it was incredible because when you saw the track listing, you saw, okay, featuring Bone, th- you were like, okay, Biggie and Bone? How the hell is that going to sound? Um, but, uh, but Big really, really, you know, rode the beat and, you know, he, he killed it. I mean, most people love that song. Um, next joint on disc two was uh, "Missing Miss You," uh, featuring 112, his label mates. Um, follow that up with another with Little Kim. So he's back there with Little Kim again. Um, then track four on disc two, "Going Back to Cali," um, which was a really really hardcore West Coast beat, if you will, and Biggie murdered it. He murdered the beat. And I thought like it was I thought this track was interesting and one of the I think it's one of the most important tracks on the album because it shows Biggie's versatility, but it also shows that Big had love for the West Coast. He did, you know, his well-documented and publicized beef with Tupac didn't have much to do or anything to do with people on the West Coast or anything like that. And he and he just purposely got a West Coast beat. Um, who did that? I think, uh, yeah, Easy Mo B did this beat, and he killed it. I mean, he straight up and down killed it. Uh, track five uh, on disc two, teams up with Primo again, 10 Crack Commandments. Um, one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, this is, I mean, vintage Primo. The beat is sinister. I mean, cutting and everything on the beat. I mean, I love it. Um Next joint is Biggie singing uh, playfully on Player Hater. Uh, the next joint after that, track seven, is Nasty Boy. Um, then he follows it up with track eight, uh, Sky's the Limit, featuring 112, uh, which had one of the dopest hip hop vid- dopest videos in hip hop. I I think that particular year, man, with the little kids and obviously Biggie had passed away. Um, 
the sky's the limit man very really really feel good story type song um then he comes back on track nine with too short with the world is filled um with uh, too short puff and uh carl thomas on the hook and um you know rapping about pimping <laughs> but i thought it was good man and i thought it was really good for him to link up with uh with too short um next joint track 10 on this to uh my downfall with dmc uh dmc's on the hook um the beat was crazy um and um I, he he really really went in I, I think you know that track on track two excuse me on, on this two probably was one of his best lyrical efforts um track 11 produced by the rizza um long kiss good night man big just tear i mean he rips it to shreds he he really really goes in the beat is crazy and biggie really really rides a, a dope ass rizza beat um and then the album finishes with uh you're nobody till somebody kills you um which was a more somber song but you know more reflective uh and, and that's how the album ends um this album man is is crazy now this album is not i repeat not with <laughs> without controversy um there's a couple of songs on here and and i think this is one of the cool things about hip-hop in the, in the 90s and in the 80s and the 90s like you could diss somebody and you it, it was sub, it was so many subliminal shots back in those days where you know you would say something and then the fans would anticipate oh yo he's i think he's talking about such and such or i think he's talking about here this dude or that dude and and so like you sometimes you didn't really know it was just based on you know what people were saying as far as who you may have thought he did or did not diss um let's go back track i mean this one uh kick in the door uh produced by primo um biggie <laughs> Biggie is throwing subliminal shots at Nas, at J. Rue the Damager, at Ray Quant, and of course we had the the infamous um, uh, uh, Mad Rapper skit. And so you know there was a skit on Only Built for Cumin Links um, where Ghostface and Ray kind of got at Biggie, and then Biggie did it did it with the the, the Mad Rapper on on this album. Um, which is played by uh, Derek D. Angeletti, which is always it's still funny to this day. Listening to the Mad Rapper, he's like, "Yo, this is my fourth album, yo. This is my fourth album. I ain't making a dime." <laughs> it's funny. So you know, so those were subtle shots at, at Raekwon, and so in kicking the door, um, J. Rube, the Damager, uh, had a well-publicized you know beef, if you will, where he threw subliminal shots on his records at Biggie. And what's interesting is that <laughs> J. Rue, J. Rue's album is produced by Primo. And who produced Kick in the Door? Primo. <laughs> so uh, very, very interesting how that went back and forth. But, um, you know, uh, on the, um, what, what do you say on the song? He's like, yo, I'm he's like, son, I'm surprised that you run with them. He said, because they got coming them, because they're nothing but dicks. And, and I think he was talking about J. Rue on that and Nas. Um, and again, that the, the ties between Nas and, and J. Rue and Primo. Um, and then he went at, you know, Nas in the song. Um, he also went at Raekwon and Ghostface. So, 
like I said, it wasn't with that. And, and these were just subliminal shots. And I, I can go into detail. I'm not going to go into detail with the, the, the shot that he did. But um, another song that was very controversial where I felt like, you know, he really went in subliminally, um, which to me was surprising, was Long Kiss Goodnight. I mean, he, he rode the beat, but he Puffy is screaming 1995 style <laughs> all in the back of this track. And this track, without a doubt, unequivocally in my mind, is directly at Tupac and Suge Knight. And keep in mind, by this time, Tupac is dead. So, um, now, Puff has maintained, and he's always said, well, no, we, you know, we weren't coming at them, and we weren't saying this and saying that. That's bullshit. <laughs> they were clearly dissing Pac and Suge Knight in death row. Um, Biggie said, uh, what did he say? He said, I'm flaming gas, aiming these, aiming at these motherfucking, motherfucking maniacs, put my name in rap. What part of, what part of the game is that? Like they hustle backwards. I smoke backwards and Dutchies. You can't touch me. Try to rush me. Slugs go touchy, touchy. You're bleeding lovely with the spirit above me or beneath me. Your whole life, you live sneaky. Now you rest eternally sleepy. You burn when you creep me. Rest where the worms and the weak be. Slug hit your chest. Tap your spine. Flatline. Heard it through the grapevine you got. Fuck four times. Damn that three to nine fucked you up for real though. Slug still slow. Ask for remorse. We feel no. Wow. <laughs> I mean... He really, really went in. And, and again, this is a guy talking about somebody who's dead. Um, and, you know, it was widely rumored that, you know, Tupac, you know, got sex, uh, assault, sexually assaulted in jail, raped in jail, if you will, um, when he did a bid. And, um, you know, he and Biggie refers to that. And he said that three to nine. Um, cause Tupac, I think he had a three to three, year, three to nine year sentence that was, uh, that was either suspended or he got out. I can't remember how he, how he got out, but anyway, he got out nonetheless. Um, so yeah, so this album wasn't without controversy and, and like to me as a fan, I felt like that was in really, really bad taste. I understood it to some degree, but I thought it was in bad taste because at that particular time, man, and Biggie didn't, you know, Tupac came would hit him up. You know, Biggie didn't say anything. He didn't respond. And I, I think his responses were supposed to be on the album. Now, allegedly, there are some disc records that did not make ready, excuse me, life after death, obviously because Tupac had passed. But allegedly, there are more than four disc records that um, are in some archive somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they'll never see the light of day, but... From what I understand, Biggie really, really was going to go in on Tupac on this album and obviously didn't make it. But even on Long Kiss Goodnight, it's subtle, but it's not so subtle. And I thought, you know, just in it from a hip hop perspective, I thought that was in bad taste because Pac was dead. And again, I'm a fan of both. I love both to death, but um, I don't think they should have. And, and like I said, Puffy has maintained that, you know, they, they weren't trying to diss Tupac and Suge Knight. That's bullshit. I mean, <laughs> you, you can listen to that verse and judge for yourself. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the track listed, man. I mean, it, the the album was 
incredible. Um, I tell you what, speaking of Tupac, Biggie had some thoughts on Tupac. Let's take a quick commercial. I'll let you hear what Biggie had to say about Tupac's death. And on the other side, I will come back and tell you uh, my thoughts on this album and why I don't think it's a classic. We'll be back in just a second. I mean, I was more shocked than anything. You know what I'm saying? But I wasn't more shocked of him dying. I was more shocked of him. Pac is a strong dude, yo. I know Duke. You know what I'm saying? Very He's real strong. So when it was Very like he got shot, I was just more like, again? You know what I'm saying? He always getting shot or shot at. He gonna pull through this one again, make a few records about it, and it's gonna be over. You know what I'm saying? But when he when he died, I was just like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? It kind of took me by. I mean, even though we was going through our drama, I would never wish death on nobody. You know what I'm saying? Cause ain't no coming back from that. So it kind of turned me down a little bit. But at the same time, you know, you gotta move on. You know, I felt for his moms, for his family or whatever. But you know, things gotta move on. You know. I felt them. I felt them. I still feel them. You know, we got the records. You know, I'm out here every day. He run the radio station. He ain't got heavy rotation. He got every rotation. Every rotation. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere you so, go. I hear him, and I, every time I hear him, I feel him. So, he gonna be always be. And just like that, we are back. It's your boy, 12 Kyle. The 12 Kyle Podcast. We're talking about life after death. 20 years later, uh, the posthumous... LP from the late great notorious B.I.G. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, man, I want to give you my thoughts on this album. Um, they may be somewhat controversial, but they're my thoughts nonetheless. <laughs> um, here's what I'll say about this album. Uh, first and foremost, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I love Biggie Smalls. I mean, like. I really, really love this dude. I, I loved everything about him. I loved the way he rhymed. I loved the way I love hearing. And, and personally, I love hearing stories about who Christopher Wallace was, um, because I think that gives us some insight as to why his music sounded the way that it did. Um, but I, I love I love Biggie and I love this album. Um, this album, I think even going back and listening to it, and I listen to it quite often, um, this album can bring out a lot of different emotions. Like you you listen and there's parts of this album that make you laugh. There's parts of this album uh, that make you think. There's parts of this album that kind of makes you a little sad. At least for me, it does. And, and I'm gonna tell you why, because you realize that he's not here. And as a fan, as big a fan as I am, the same goes for Pac. You know, when you listen to their music, you bring them back to life by pressing play. But you know, there's still somewhat a a a void that's left. And 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 both of their deaths, uh, both Biggie and Pac, respectively, um, left a huge uh, void in hip hop. And I think I'm, I'm I'm more so bothered by the fact that. Uh, even listening to this album, it reminds me that 20 years later, we still have no clue as to who killed this man. Um, and that bothers me more so than anything else, because I feel for Violetta Wallace. I feel for Biggie's daughter. I feel for Faith and his son, CJ, um, their friends and family. Um, you know, I feel like I knew Biggie because of the music, but I didn't know him personally. Um, 
but I can only imagine how it feels for people who knew him and loved him dearly um, to have him taken away so tragically, uh, so senselessly. And the fact that even to this day, at the time of this recording, no one has been convicted of his murder. Um, so that's that's the downside of listening to this album. Uh, but nonetheless, it's still a, a great album. I love it. I love listening to it. Um, I think one of the things that is very, and I mentioned it early in the podcast, one of the things that's very, very impressive with this album is Biggie's storytelling ability. I mean, like he really set the bar high and he set himself, he set himself away from other MCs and rappers at the time because nobody could do and tell the stories that he was telling. And it really, really made me think about some of the great storytellers in hip hop. And, um, you know, Biggie really shined in that aspect. Like I said, you met, you, you listen to, I got a story to tell niggas bleed, uh, just to name a few. I mean, and he really, really just brings you in and it's, it's even more mind boggling when you think about the fact that he did not write any of this stuff down, which is crazy to me. Um, but yeah, his storytelling ability, uh, is, is second to none. Um, as I mentioned before the break, I don't think that this is a classic album. Um, let me preface, and you can send all emails to 12kyle at gmail.com. Um, or you can hit me up on Twitter or just drop a comment uh, in, in the uh, comment section. Um, I'll say this. If you say that this album is a classic, I won't argue with you. Um, but I don't think it's a classic. And here's a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, there are some songs on this album that should not be on this album let me repeat that there are some songs in this album that should not be on this album um uh which what's the first song that um the the miss you joint with 112 that that song feels to me like a 112 song it, it could have been like only you it could have been on a 112 album and you just let biggie rhyme on it um very misplaced another with little kim terrible not a fan of that song at all um that's a definite skip um let me see what was the other one? player hater and i know biggie's making fun and he's singing uh, i don't want to hear that skip um <laughs> nasty boy is okay uh but here's the thing and here's how i measure things just to give you an idea if you deem ready to die a classic ask yourself which of these songs would have made ready to die none of the songs that i mentioned would have made ready to die i'm almost positive about that uh unpopular opinion and again you can hit me up in the comment section tell me i'm crazy you know and, and i'm gonna cuss you out i'm not a fan i'm not that big a fan of notorious thugs i'm not <laughs> Uh, Biggie switched up the flow, but my thing is you're you're the you're the guy in the game. Keep in mind, Reasonable Doubt and dropped in 1996, but Jay Z wasn't at that level just yet. Biggie was the man in hip hop. You're Biggie. You don't have to switch up your flow to sound like Bone. Why are you doing that? You know, I, he, did he do a good job? Yeah, he did a good job, but you know, I, I'm not. 
I'll put it like this. Most people love that song. I like that song. You know, I, I'm not I'm not as enamored with the song as most people are. Fight me, you know, send an email, send a tweet, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I just I'm just not a fan of that song like that. I mean, I understand why people like it. It's not high on my priority list. I don't think that would have made Ready to Die. Um, uh, Nasty Boy is okay. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I'll just put it like it's okay. Um, and notice that this is most of this, all of the songs that I'm talking about are on the second disc. Uh, the first disc, I don't have a problem with any of the songs. I think all of the songs are dope on the first disc on disc one. Um, but this too, yeah, they, it's, it's some, these are some filler songs. And I think this is very typical of a double CD. Anybody who's made a double CD, whatever rapper has made a double CD, they've got some filler songs on it. And I think these are filler songs. And I don't think any of these songs that I mentioned um, would have made Ready to Die. And that doesn't mean that this isn't a great album because I think it is. I think it's an incredible album. I just don't think it's a classic. And then another reason why I don't think it's a classic is, I mean, obviously you've got Biggie, you've got, you know, I listed the the name of the the producers. I mean, like you've got a all star cast of producers, and then you've got an all star cast of guest features. I mean, from Too Short to Jay Z to The Locks to R Kelly to um, Angela Wimbush. Pep, Mace Puff Daddy. I mean, like, the list goes on and on. DMC. I mean, like, who wasn't on this album? <laughs> the only person that wasn't on this album was Pac. So, yeah, I I can't give you a classic call when you've, you've got guest features on damn near every other song. Now, again, I don't know if that was necessarily Biggie's doing. That could have been Puff's thing. I don't know. Um, and we'll never know. But... To me, I think if you if you deem an album a classic, you can't have fifteen thousand guest features, um, and you can't have production from you know, I don't know, twenty of the best, dopest produce. I mean, like you got tracks from RZA. I mean, nah, you just you just can't. I mean, you know, it it is what it is. I just don't think that that makes it a classic. Um, but again, I will repeat: if you deem it a classic, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, but to me, nah, this isn't a classic. It's it's a great album. It's a phenomenal album. Um, the source gave it five mics. Me, I give it four and a half. Um, yeah, and there's no shame in a four and a half mic album, none whatsoever. Where you may say Ready to Die is a, four, a five mic album, I say, you know, Ready to Die is a five mic album. This is four and a half, and that's not bad at all. Um, I think one of the things that this album does do is that it cements Biggie's legacy. Now, anytime you ask somebody like their top five MCs of all time, a lot of time Biggie's name gets thrown in the conversation. And then sometimes it doesn't. And the first thing people will say was, well, he only had two albums. I mean, well, it, it, it wasn't his fault that he had two albums. I mean, like, you know, God, if, if God forbid, if he, if he had lived long enough, he would have made more. I'm, I'm willing to bet that he would have made more than, than two albums. Um, but that being said, I don't hold that against, but I, I judge Biggie's abilities and where I rank him based off of the material that he gave us. I can't knock him for material that he didn't give us. Um, I think a lot of the, you know, people talk about the, the music that Pac did. In fact, Pac was still releasing albums even after he died. I will 
take it a step further. I think a lot of though a lot of that music, I don't know that Pac would have released it had he lived. Um same for Biggie. The the Biggie duets and and you know the Born Again, those albums, uh that, most of that stuff was with artists that I don't even think Big would have done tracks with. Um, you know, like one of my favorite songs is, is uh, Dead Wrong. There's no way Biggie puts that verse on there with Eminem because Eminem shits on that verse. <laughs> Eminem murders that verse. Nah, that bit, trust me, Big wouldn't have done that verse on that song with that guy. What guy? That guy. Eminem is that guy. So nah, he wouldn't have done that. But so, you know, I it listen, it's all you know, it's all subjective, but I think Biggie's legacy is cemented by this album. I think his legacy is one to be definitely proud of. I think in my personal opinion, he's a top five MC. I have him in my fifth, uh, as far as lyrically, I think he's he's fifth. Um and again you can't i don't think you can knock him because he only did two albums i mean he would have loved to have been here and i think you know as i mentioned you know the void was left and and it's the void is it still hasn't been filled and i don't know if it'll ever be filled um and and you know listening to this album again it brings out a lot of different emotions um but biggie in my opinion is an all-time great uh and i think if you listen to this album and you take in and you digest it you will see some of the things that I talked about in this podcast. And I think, man, Biggie is is just, he was a great spirit and we're going to miss him. And hip hop hasn't been the same, but I'm thankful, so, so thankful that we got a chance to get this album. And I got, and I'm, and I'm glad that we got a chance to hear Biggie, man, because at the end of the day, although he's no longer with us, you can always press play and bring him back to life. I tell you what, man. Before we get out of here, let's 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 take it out of here on, on one of my favorite uh, collaborations, man. This joint with Biggie and uh, Tracy Lee. Keep your hands high. Uh, once again, I want to thank you for listening to another edition of the Twelve Kyle Podcast. It's your boy Twelve Kyle. Uh, thanks again for listening. I'll catch you guys next time. Five G's. My hand releases, snatches, smack your cabbage Half-ass rappers shouldn't have it So I grab it, never run The outcome is usually a beat down brutally Fuck who you be or where you're from West or East Coast, squeeze toast Leave most in the blood they laying in Axe training them Oh shit, I suppose it's time to go stitch Flip a line and get the show lit You clown niggas, hold it Down your flow lax, just so you know that We could battle for days like old cats Black, you're dealing with a throwback Winning like straight jacks With a wide Range of rhymes, team. My lyrics they bang like migraines. Nigga, my names trade the terrible. Philadelphia wild child, incredible. Too sick for medical attention. People listen, it's verbal ascension. Like Maxwell, many dimensions. Float over tracks well. Mike's in critical condition. Killing your max cell. Unveil lyrical skills unknown. For my peoples with illegal cell phones and real MCs, let's bring it back home. Live from the 215. LR's the backbone. In charge and heavily armed like Brent Favre. You facade niggas, stay down. Biggie make him hit the floor what, face down what, what, them rings and things you sing about Bring them out It's hard to yell when the barrel's in your mouth It's more than I expected I thought your jewels was rented But they wasn't, so run it 
cousin I can chill, the heat doesn't Ran up in your shell about a dozen You never see bank life Frank White, your hand clutching Your chest plate contemplates You about to die, nigga, wait Keep your hands high If you don't wanna die, keep your hands high Ain't no right or wrong in this game called survive So you know it's Trey and B.I. G-Steven on your cream, why try? Keep your hands high don't wanna die, keep your hands high Ain't no right or wrong in this game called survive So you know it's Trey and B.I. G scheming on your queen, why try? Keep your hands high Yo, it's showtime, so I'ma blow nines into your spine. To what's yours is mine. You know what this is. Back to Benjamins with all your riches. How quickly the Millie turns willies to bitches. Controlling your fate, a hole in your plate. Fuck the show dates, I want the whole say. The squad's harassing all of y'all niggas who flashing. We doing this to trade leeway. Delay the nigga we spray. No ignoring us, me and the tour. I got a new mouth to feed. I'm due south with keys. Y'all pick seeds out your weed. I watch cowards bleed. Motherfucker, please. It's my block with my rocks Fuck that hip-hop, them one-twos And it don't stop me and my nigga Lance Took him and C's advance Bought ten bricks, four pounds of weed plants From Branson, now we lampin' Twelve-room mansion Bitches get naked off, get money Players anthem, don't forget One more chance in My other hits, other shit Niggas spit, be counterfeit Robbery come naturally In and out like fucking rapidly Pass the gap to me Make his chest rest Where his back should be Fucking blasphemy Blasphemy, your family Rest the Coffins often, Frank Wizard, far from softer, fragile, play hard like Reggie Miller, rapper, slash dope dealer, slash gorilla, slash illest turn illa. So nigga, keep your hands high, run all your so-called possessions, links with baguettes in, keys to your legs, plus the link your shorty's dressed in, a full jack maneuver, don't nobody move, just the moolah, it's all enough in junior, my running through you like Kahlua, and rum sunny you fly, niggas with the profile for true lies, you brought out the real nigga in me, now I'm a cop. To send me while you strip like Demi If you don't wanna die, keep your hands high Ain't no right or wrong in this game called survive So you know it's Trey and B.I. G-Steven on the cream, why try? Keep your hands high, you don't wanna die Keep your hands high Ain't no right or wrong in this game called survive So you know it's Trey and B.I.